if you all would like to turn in your copies of God's Word, um, turn to Exodus chapter 20. We'll be looking at Exodus chapter 20 today, which is a pretty important chapter in the Bible because it's where we see the Ten Commandments laid out. Exodus chapter 20, and um, before, we, before we get into what we have here on our, on our lesson sheet, why don't I just read those? It'll be a good refresher for us. And so God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. As you see there what he's doing, he's reminding them of, of who he is before he tells them what to do. And what he does to remind them of who he is is tell them what he has done. So the mighty acts of God tell us what kind of God he is. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who, who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the, Lord, uh, the, the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made it heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold, an altar of earth, you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build of it hewn stones, for if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. 
Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, as we approach the Old Testament, it seems so far removed from us, and there are different kinds of uh, there are differences between our culture and, and this culture, between the language and their language. Lord, I pray that we would be able to cross that bridge that, that it takes to cross in order to understand uh, what it is that we need to understand from, uh, from your scriptures tonight. I pray uh, that this would be clear, that it would be edifying, and that we would see a picture of your holiness and your goodness and your kindness as we look to your word tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I don't, if you remember from um, a couple of weeks ago, Exodus chapter 19, I know that last Sunday night, of course, Chris came and, and uh, preached to us, and he did a, he did a really good job. Uh, so we're kind of remembering back a couple weeks now, but the people were being set apart or consecrated um, before entering God's presence. Remember that? They had to be, they had to be set apart before they, uh, before they were to go uh, anywhere near God's presence. Um, in chapter 20, we see the reason for this in a more full way. God was about to reveal himself in, in giving these 10 words, okay? So that, that's why I've entitled this 10 words later in the book of Exodus. Um, they, they are called that. The 10 commandments are called these 10 words of God. And so when God's about to reveal himself in this kind of way, this kind of, you know, turning point way, he, he told the people that they had to be consecrated, they had to be set apart, they had to be purified before this big event was to happen. Um, so here are a couple of the things that we need to note. Each time that God says, you, in verses 1 through 17, they are, in the original languages, they're in the singular. Okay, now in English, we just say you. I could say, how are you doing tonight? And you would understand me to be talking to the whole room. Or I could just be talking to one of you, and I could say, how are you doing? And you understand I'm only addressing you. Of course, in the South, we have y'all, right? Okay, so we have a second person plural, you know. How are y'all tonight? And then it's a little more clear who I'm talking to. Well, the same thing is true in the original languages, in the Hebrew, uh, there was one word for you, one person. And there was another kind of word for y'all, okay? So every time, every time that the you is here, I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make, of yourself, make for yourself a carved image. Um, honor your father and your mother. Every time there's a you here, it's singular. Isn't that interesting? How God could be talking to all of Israel, but what he's saying is you and you and you and you. Not y'all. He's saying each and every one of you is, is what's being conveyed here. It's, it's very uh, interesting to know. So that's a, little, that's a nice little key to know as we read through this. Uh, he's addressing each Israelite individually. It's also seen in other occasions uh, when God speaks to the Israelites. He does so through Moses. Isn't it interesting that usually when God speaks to the Israelites, he does it through Moses. But right now he's going around Moses and he's speaking directly to the people. Right? And this is a frightening experience for the people, so much so that in verse 19, remember what they say in verse 19? They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. 
It's, it's like being this close to God and hearing Him address us directly is such a weighty thing that we don't think we can handle it. So why don't, Moses, why don't you handle it from now on? Why don't you continue to be like our priest, our intermediary? Because this is a weighty, weighty thing. So, uh, based on this, let's look at verse 2 again. I'm, I made a, a passing reference to this. But God's getting ready to speak to them, and He's getting ready to tell them how they should orient their lives, how they should live as a people, and yes, how they should live as individuals. What does He preface it with? Just like when you open a book, there's a preface at the beginning of the book. Some things you, many times we skip, but we ought to read them, right? Because that's how uh, the, the groundwork is being set for everything that comes later, right? He says this, And God spoke all these words, saying... Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In other words, he's saying, I'm getting ready to say some things to you that might be uncomfortable. So before I say those uncomfortable things, I want you to remember that I'm the guy who parted the waters. That I'm the one who brought you out of slavery. I'm not just the one who promised you I would bring you out of slavery. I promised that I would, and then I made good on it. And I did it in a miraculous way that you guys seem to continue to forget really, really frequently. So he's like, remember who I am. Remember what kind of God I am, he says. And friends, this is how, or this is why we can trust God. Because of what He has done in His mighty acts in history, what He has done in our own lives, we need to be reminding ourselves of what God has done, what He did for us, how far He has brought us. When you see progress in your life, when you see sanctification, when you see a victory, you need to write it down somewhere because we're prone to forget, right? And when we do that, we can remember that God has been faithful to us in the past and He will be in the future. He will. Um, this is also another good little thing. The acts of God serve to demonstrate His character. But remember, last, remember on Wednesday night when we were talking about inerrancy, about how the Bible deals with... Um, uh, the, the Bible doesn't have error in it. Uh, truth with any mixture of error, it doesn't have any of that. Um, this answers those who limit inerrancy simply to the principles of Scripture. Right? And not to the events. Because when God wants to tell you what kind of God He is, He says, this is what kind of God I am. So you can believe me. I'm the God who parted the waters. So we have to believe that that, that actually happened. Right? Which, as we said on Wednesday night, it's actually no big thing for us to believe that God can part waters because, after all, we believe that our salvation depends on Him raising somebody from the dead. So uh, these things are miraculous, but... Um, a God who can't do miracles is, is not really worth uh, believing in anyway. So, why don't we just kind of tick down through all of the commandments and make a few comments as we go. Uh, the first one, no other gods. You notice he says, have no other gods before me. This is not to speak of an ordering of gods. Like, you can have some other gods, just make sure they're in place number two and number three and number four. And I just need to be number one God, right? See, this was a time, <coughs> excuse me, this was, <coughs> goodness gracious, this was a time when many of the people were, um, were polytheists. They believed in multiple gods, right? 
And, and if they, as a matter of fact, in the time of the New Testament, Acts chapter 17, at the Areopagus, when they're at Mars Hill, the people there had an idol to an unknown God, just in case they missed one. They wanted, to, they wanted to make sure that they gave honor so that that God would look on them with favor in case they had missed one. So they had a, a statue or an, an, an idol built to, to an unknown God. Well, uh, one of the things that made Christianity uh, and Judaism at this time so odd was that they believed in one God. They believed in one omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all all-powerful uh, creator of the universe. So when God says, have no other gods before me, he doesn't mean in your little pecking order, have no other gods before me. He means have no other gods in my presence, like before me, before my presence. Verses 4 through 6 talk about images, very, very much connected to the first commandment. It says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. Isn't it so interesting how specific he gets on this one? Right? I mean, look at commandment number six, you shall not murder. It's the end of it, right? Pretty straightforward. But this one, he goes into a whole paragraph. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or a likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or in the earth beneath or, is in, or, or that is in the water. You shall not bow down to them. Like if you do make them, you shall not bow down to them. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I guess the reason that it's so interesting that he goes into all this detail is that he, he made it so clear, and then before the book of Exodus is out, what are they already doing? They're already taking off their rings and throwing them into a, a pot to, to melt some gold to make themselves a gold calf, right? While Moses is still up on top of the mountain meeting with God, they're creating a little idol down at the foot of the mountain, right? It's incredible. It's incredible. Number three, taking the Lord's name in vain. Of course, if you were like me, you growing up thinking that this was basically just a shorthand way of saying don't cuss, right? But it's a little deeper than that. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Friends, it's the name of the Lord that we are saved by, right? There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we, may, by which we must be saved. The, the name of Jesus is the name of salvation, Right? The name of God uh, is the name of salvation. So here's, there, there's a little more in view than here than, than just swearing. Speaking of God in any way that distracts from or distorts who He is. In other words, to speak of God wrongly, to take His name in vain, is, is to lie about who He is, right? That's what taking the Lord's name in vain means. To reduce Him... To, to some something that he is not. It's, it's like a verbal image. He just said, don't make an idol. Don't, don't make yourself a, a, a carved image or a golden calf. Well, speaking of God in a way that takes his name in vain is almost like doing that verbally with your words, right? It's, it's, it's like idolatry. And then there's the Sabbath. Now, we did talk about the Sabbath because some things have changed between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We don't have a Sabbath anymore as such. We have the Lord's Day, right? They had the Sabbath on the seventh day, 
We, on this side of the cross, have the Lord's Day that occurs on the first day of the week, Sunday, as we gather. So what does this mean, um, and, and how do we continue to honor this commandment today? Um, well, what they were told to do in, in commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And you shall not do any work, you or your son or all of the people. I'm just going to give a little shorthand there. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Why? Because God created in six days. He rested on the Sabbath. On the seventh. So they were to, to observe this day by way of remembering who God is and what He did in creation. Uh, that's part of it. But I would say that the Sabbath is no longer binding in the New Testament, right? And so God is not going to strike us down for, for working if we have to um, you know, on, on the Sabbath because in a sense there, there's not even a Sabbath anymore. The Sabbath went away with the Old Testament, with the Old Covenant, and now we have the Lord's Day that we observe that the church, for all of the history of the church in the New Testament, has always gathered on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, uh, together. Uh, let's talk about why this is and, and try to make sure I uh, don't introduce any, any confusion there. It is a sign of the Sinai Covenant. That's what the Sabbath was. This is made clearer in Exodus chapter 31 and in Exodus uh, chapter 35. So I'm sure you know, in the fullness of time we will get there. Um, but specifically mentioned in Colossians chapter 2. I want to read this to you from Colossians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Colossians. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Look what he says about the Sabbath. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to the festival of a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Remember how we've been talking on Sunday nights about how the Old Testament is always about shadows, that then we get to see the substance come full. The Sabbath is one of those. The Sabbath is saying right now, Right now, in the Old Testament, right now, you need to rest one day a week. But guess what? There is coming a day when every day will be a Sabbath because you no longer have to work. Why? Because Jesus has completed all of the work. So friends, we do have a Sabbath in the New Testament. It's called Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because Jesus has done all the work. We, we, we get to rest every day in the finished work of Jesus. Does that make sense? The Sabbath in the Old Testament was a shadow showing what Jesus was going to accomplish on the cross. Um, the New Testament, and I'm just giving you a little something I've already said here. The New Testament church met on the Lord's Day, the first day, not the seventh day. Why? Because Christ fulfilled the Sabbath. I would say this, though. I would say this. I still think that there is something sweet about taking a day of rest, about Sabbathing, right? About resting from your work, and here's why. It demonstrates trust in God. It demonstrates trust that, Lord, I don't have to work seven days a week to take care of me. I trust that you will take care of me. I'm going to rest from my labor. So, kudos to Chick-fil-A. Like, keep on doing your Sundays, whatever. I would encourage you, I would encourage you to take a day of rest to honor the principle of 
what is communicated there. But friends, remember also what the Lord's Day, what, what the Sabbath passing away means. It means that we know, like, we no longer have to have a day of rest. We get a lifetime of rest. And in fact, we get an eternity of rest because Jesus has done all the work. Does that make sense? Okay. Hope so. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land, and the Lord that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, I would say this: Give honor to the authority figures in your life. Why? Not because they're the point, but because they point toward the greater authority, God. And so, we would encourage our kids to honor your father and mother. Why? Because that's. Showing, showing honor to authority here is how we show honor to our ultimate authority, God. Uh, and of course, we would do that until authorities tell us to sin. And then the way that we honor God is by, you know, honoring Him and not listening to authorities who would tell us to sin. Uh, but anyway, that's the principle, I think, there in honor your father and your mother. Um, God has given us these pictures of parents on earth to point to what He is like in heaven. Uh, we are imperfect, we are the shadows, but He is perfect, He's the substance. Number six, you shall not murder. Seems, uh, seems fairly straightforward there. But there's dignity in human life. Human life has dignity. Why? Because humans are created in the imago dei, in the image of God. And so therefore, it is a sin to, 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 to intentionally, right, there's a difference between killing and murder, right? You can accidentally, you can have a, you can accidentally kill someone, or you know, uh, in, in many different grievous ways. But uh, because there is dignity in human life, murder—this setting yourself up as an authority out of anger, killing someone—is is a disrespect to the God whose image they bear. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. Here's why. Marriage is a, is a picture of the gospel. Marriage is a picture, we learn in Ephesians chapter 5, of Christ and the church, right? And so God has this picture of marriage. We shall not commit adultery. Breaking that, that covenant, that picture, it, is, is, it does damage to the picture that the world should look at to see the picture of the gospel that we see in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, that's adultery there. Uh, number 8, you shall not steal Verse 15, yeah, that's what it says, you shall not steal. Theft uh, is to deprive someone of their time and labor. You think, uh, your possessions, if you take someone's possessions, what are possessions? They're, they're just time and labor, right? Everything that you have, you had to work for time in order to get money for, right? So it's, it's your time and it's your labor uh, to, to deprive someone of that, uh, of their possessions, is to deprive them of their time and labor. Uh, God has given us time to do work here to take care of our families and to provide for ourselves and, and, and when we are able to provide for others. And so to steal is to deprive someone else of their ability to do those things that God has put us here uh, to, to, to work the ground, uh, as it were, uh, to do our, our jobs. Um, it usually it arises from covetousness, which is already addressed in commandment number 10. You shall not uh, covet all these different things, right? Uh, but, but number nine, uh, bear, bear no false witness. 
Why would it be bad? Everybody knows it's bad to lie, but why is it bad to lie? Well, a couple of different reasons. God is a God of justice. Um, Justice must be carried out among God's people, and justice depends on truthful witnesses. In the Old Testament, it tells us a number of times that testimony was confirmed uh, based on the testimony of more than one witness. It says this in Deuteronomy 19.15. See what it says there. Deuteronomy 19.15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. In other words... You don't, uh, you, don't, you don't accuse or condemn someone uh, willy-nilly, right? Because God is a God of justice. And when you are called upon to, to, to testify, uh, testify truthfully. I think that's why the history in our country is placing your hand on the Bible, right? Remembering who it is that we're making uh, the, these statements before. We're making these statements before God. And then lastly... A commandment against coveting. This one goes probably toward the heart as much as any of them does. Coveting is is often the root of adultery, of theft, of murder, of lies. We remember um, in the New Testament, of course I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't really turn the dial down on the Ten Commandments or on the law. He kind of turns the dial up. Remember when he says, you've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, anyone who, who hates his brother has murdered him in his heart, paraphrasing. Remember in the Old Testament when it says, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who is, who is lusted has committed adultery in his heart. Jesus is saying, it's not just about checking off the boxes. Jesus is saying, it's about the content of our heart that we need to be concerned about. And, uh, and perhaps you can keep all of these Ten Commandments perfectly. That doesn't make you right with God because we have hearts that are turned away from Him. And this is what Jesus was trying to communicate to the rich young ruler who came to Him with His, with his resume. The rich, rich young man came to Jesus and said, Look, I've kept all of these since my youth. What more must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, Go and sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. And, and the, man, the man walks away sad because he had great wealth, you know. All these, these, uh, these things, it gets to the, the content of the heart. Let's understand the Ten Commandments today. The Ten Commandments do not reveal to us a pathway of relating to God in the same way it did to Israel. In other words, it's not as if if we just keep the Ten Commandments, us and God are, are tight, we're good. Instead, while these were binding on Israel as a part of a covenant, they are not the basis of our relationship with God today. But they still, they still communicate to us what God is like and what He considers just and unjust. Okay? See the difference there. Um, they are the shorthand for all of the laws of God that were fulfilled in Christ. So Matthew 5.17, Matthew 5.17 says the following. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. In other words, he said, I'm not turning the the volume down on that. Don't think I've come to abolish them. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus completed perfectly everything that was in the law that we could never complete. The law was to be to us like a mirror, 
to show us how far short we fall of God's righteousness. It was to cause us to despair and to look for a Savior, the Savior Jesus, who fulfilled all of the law on our behalf when we could not. And I just kind of repeat this. Let me do it in, in more precise language here. The Ten Commandments, they still convey to us the mind of God and principles of His justice and goodness. For this reason, they are not null and void. They just don't serve the same purpose for us today as they did for Old Testament Israel. And of course, the Sabbath is an example of that. Um, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the only ones that Jesus doesn't reaffirm in the New Testament. Um, rest is a principle. Yeah, I've, I've said all that. Everything under that I've said. Um, so, let's conclude this way. What is the purpose of the Old Testament law? Perhaps there will be another chapter in Exodus somewhere where it will be better for me to, uh, where it would be easier for me to explain some things that would be helpful. Many times, here's what happens. Um, you might quote a passage from the Old Testament, and then someone who's kind of antagonistic against God and the church and Christianity says, oh yeah, well it also says in the Old Testament that you shouldn't eat shellfish and you shouldn't wear clothes with mixed, with mixed fibers, you know, or mixed colors. So you're just picking and choosing which parts of the Old Testament that you want to follow. Well, this is actually not what's happening because there are different segments of the law. There's the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law, okay? Um, the moral law conveys what God says is sinful and is good for all times. The ceremonial law was how Old Testament Israel was to remain clean, but that has passed away because Jesus has come. And so anyway, it's just important to get handles on that. There might be another Sunday night where that, that comes up in the text where it's more clearly in view. But just say all that to say we're not intending to, nor do I believe we are picking and choosing parts of the Old Testament uh, to believe. And actually, I've just demonstrated to you, hopefully, that the Sabbath is one that that has passed away and has been replaced by the Lord's, by the Lord's day, Sunday. Uh, okay, so what is the purpose of the Old Testament law? To show us the mind of God. The Old Testament law, and of course there I have in parentheses, the moral law, shows us the principles of right and wrong, principles that still endure today. This hasn't changed. God is not a God who, cha who, who changes. The covenant has, has uh, been replaced by the new covenant. But we knew about that in Jeremiah 31. We knew that that would happen. We knew that a Savior would come and that the old covenant would pass away. The new covenant would come. Number two, here's the second purpose of the Old Testament law. To reveal to us how utterly helpless we were to complete what God demanded. Listen to what it says in Matthew 5.20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I'm sorry, the kingdom of, yeah, the kingdom of heaven. Remember? So when these people come up to Jesus, and they're trying to justify themselves before, before Him, He says, you see those people over there, the Pharisees and the scribes? Those are full-time holy people. Their job every day, their, their head pops off the pillow, is to, their job, they think, is to try to be good enough to get into the kingdom. And Jesus basically says, they're not getting in. 
because they're trusting in their own works and they're not trusting in the grace of God. And so he says, unless your righteousness is better than those professional holy people, right? Unless your righteousness is better than theirs, you're not getting in. In other words, unless you're perfect, and Jesus, Jesus is saying in between the lines, there's only one person who's perfect, and I happen to be him, Jesus is, is saying. Unless you're perfect, you're not getting in. But here's how you can get in. To be in Christ, to be in me, Jesus says, because I am perfect. You get to ride into heaven only on my coattails, only on my righteousness, because your righteousness is as filthy rags. So don't trust in your works. Trust in mine. That's what Jesus says. And then thirdly, this is the third purpose of the Old Testament law, to remind us that God is the supreme lawgiver. He has the authority to declare what is morally good and morally bad. Friends, we don't just have a Savior. We have a Lord, and He's a God who who tells us what is good and what is bad, and we can express our faith in him by believing what he says and by doing our level best to, um, to follow him in obedience based on uh, what he has told us in his word. It's been kind of a thick night there going through the, the Ten Commandments, so I just, why don't I just ask, does anybody have any questions about the Ten Commandments that we just went through or anything that I said? I'll do the best I can to answer. Yes, sir. It would be a deacon, wouldn't it? My, my view on oaths is this, and I, I'm, I'm, this is off the cuff, so I'm going to do the best I can. When, when in the Bible it says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no, right? When it says you shall not take an oath, typically what, what I think that's getting at is you should not be the kind of person who has to swear in order for other people to believe you. Does that make sense? In other words, you shouldn't have to be, in other words, God's people should not be the kind of people who say, oh, I'm telling you the truth. Oh, I, oh, I swear on my mother's grave or wh- whatever it is that people say. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Now, there are other occasions in the Bible where God asks the people for a commitment. He's, he's basically asking them to, to make an oath, like to commit to something. So in that sense, an oath is not... Is not uh, sinful. So if, if I have to go do jury duty, I would, I would be fine putting my hand on the, on the Bible or, or, or making an oath because I do believe that what I am about to, do, to say is truthful. Um, there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who, who would take a different view than I do, and, and that's fine. That's what I would call an open-handed issue, a, a matter of conscience, Romans chapter 14. I personally don't have a problem with with making an oath in a in a courtroom setting. What's that? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Any other, any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely, absolutely. Particularly because what the Ten Commandments are getting at is even deeper stuff in our heart behind it. And so we need the Holy Spirit's help every day to even be able to do that. That's a good word. Good word. Anybody else? Okay, well, why don't I pray? And we'll have a moment of reflection and response. We'll have one more song, I believe. And, um, and I would invite you to, uh, to respond however the Lord may lead. Uh, let's pray, and we'll do that. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the ability to meet together and to, and to talk about your word, very worthwhile things. I pray uh, that, that your word would be clear and that we would be able to do, uh, uh, to, to do the things that you've called us to do from them. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.